Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hello and welcome to another edition of Homeschooling Helps. I'm Andrea Schwartz and I'm joined by my co-host Nancy Wilk. Hi Nancy. Hello Andrea, it's good to see you again. All righty, well thanks for that and it's good to be here and we are concluding our series Out of the Box and hopefully the previous eight segments have helped those who've watched the videos realize that there's more to homeschooling than just maybe what they initially thought. Right. right. And uh, we were just talking about this under a different topic, you know, in terms of specific things we were addressing before we came on here, but sometimes you have a plan and it's a really good plan and it's a well thought out plan. Mm -hmm. And then it just doesn't turn out the way you thought. And it's easy (laughs) to surmise that you failed, you failed at your plan. Um, man makes a plan, but God directs his ways. And so sometimes we have to pivot, as they say in sports terminology, and realize that we can accomplish a greater goal, maybe sometimes by giving up a lesser goal or what we thought was definitely where we were heading. And I think right. that takes a maturity and a trust that God will direct you. It's not that you'll ever be able to truly override God's will in your life because um, he's sovereign. And so we might go kicking and screaming, which some of us are apt to do. Um, but in the long run as well, uh, you know, it's kicking, screaming, crying and guessing, but you're right. We got, we got to proceed knowing right. God is providential. So today's, um, Last segment is taking homeschooling to the next level. But before we actually get into that, it bears in mind for people to consider, especially as their children are coming to the end of their homeschooling days. And that keeps in mind that some of your older ones are now moving on and you still have younger ones. So your homeschooling days may not be over, but they also might be over depending on the ages of your children and whatever. How do you prepare for that? Not so much in terms of what you'll do with your time, but in terms of what they'll do with their time. And I think one of the big mistakes we make is not reevaluating. Did our goals change from the time we started this to where we are now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really an important thing to consider. You know, the, you, we're using the, um, metaphor, I guess, for outside of the box. And a lot of times people do come to homeschooling with this box of curriculum and think that this, you know, completing everything that the planners say is the, is necessary for education inside this box is there's really a whole lot more to it. And um, so, so I do hope that, that folks that listen to our program will remember that it really is the bigger goal of training up our children in the nurturing and the mission of the Lord. 
And depending on how, I mean, I homeschooled for almost 30 years because that was the age span between my oldest and my youngest. Well, you better believe that in 30 years, I changed my orientation on a number of things. Um, I was able to separate the essentials from the non-essential. I was able to say, wow, I thought that's how you taught this, but now more information has given me a new set of criteria to determine who was the good guy, who was the bad guy, let's say in history. So the reason I say taking it to the next level is that as homeschooling parents, mother or father, our job isn't over when quote unquote high school is over. I mean, if we're going to look at the family model as given in scripture, it means that the family continues, but the children end up being adult children. And now they're going to be the issues of how will these children support themselves? What will happen to other members of the family if mom and dad die before the rest of the children are grown up? Things like that. So there have to be provisions made. And part of this provision is what are your children going to do with their lives? What is God's call on their life? And it's not that you determine it because you have to, hopefully you've taught them how to hear God because they have studied his word. They've prayed. They've been aware of the times where God manifested his will. They've talked to other people that helped them kind of narrow their focus. But now what are they going to do? So many people started with, I want my child to be able to get into a good college. Right. Is that still is that still the godly plan? Is that still the only alternative? And if well, we know, yeah, we know that it's not the only alternative. We know that too many times we've been told the kid needs to go to college, or 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 we've been to college and then leave with student debt, and find ourselves in a marketplace that can't <clears throat> that that we can't get a job in our chosen field. Exactly. So some, you know, but obviously some some um, jobs, some calling does need that that um, certification, that level of, um, you know, that level of education in that in, in that context. But there's lots of ways to continue your education. Exactly. But more importantly is education. What, what are you going to do? Not everybody is a fix it upper person so that they could go and become a contractor who makes a good living building or fixing or or whatever it is. Not everybody is geared to being a surgeon. Not everybody uh, is geared toward um, running their own business or working in a retail situation. So aside from, and we've talked about this before, giving people opportunities to try different things, whether it's through starting their own business or volunteering. The next level I'm talking about involves the greater Christian community. How many Christian businesses, how many Christians who are in positions of authority in a corporation will actually give preference to Christian students who have graduated with a Christian education, whether from a Christian school or Christian homeschool. 
Why are we not giving priority to those children from those families who have sacrificed a lot of the worldly pleasures in order to create soldiers, ambassadors, and true followers of Jesus Christ? Now, granted, it doesn't always turn out to be perfect, but why aren't we giving preference there? That's a great question, <laughs> and one that I think that we need to to really be um, really really be mindful of. You know, like when you and I started out homeschooling, people were afraid their kids were not going to be able to get into college. Well, now that is often the homeschooled student is often the preferred student. You know, right. but why let them go there when a lot of times, if it's unnecessary, if it's if they're not necessarily getting um, what they had to have to proceed were often unraveling some of the some of the things that have been put in, you know, into their lives. And so um, it, it is much better for us and for them as a Christian community, as believers who are working together towards this, this common goal and purpose and, and recognizing God's call on ours and each other's lives to to work together in these sort of agreeable mutually agreeable and god honoring way we should give each other that um that preference and here, Just, comes the train. Oh, here comes the train okay so we're gonna we're gonna mute you here let's see if we got that okay we're muted um so we're supposed to give preference to our families and the book of Galatians says, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So we're supposed to view fellow believers as part of the household of faith. And instead of apologizing for giving preference, we should give preference because that's what we're supposed to do. So the homeschooling parents who are part of a congregation or part of a homeschool group or whatever they're part of, should be lobbying, and I use that word intentionally, lobbying those people with businesses and who are in various professions to actually give homeschool graduates, give Christian school graduates a priority, saying, look, I know how you were raised. I know that there was an emphasis on character, integrity, loyalty, things like this. I know that you have a good relationship with your parents. I know that you're not rebellious. I know that you're not looking at ways in which to just get a handout. I know you. I know. And, and there are people who can recommend you. Of course, I'll give you preference. That should be what the resume looks like. Not I went four years at a school that basically defamed the name of Jesus Christ on a regular basis that anytime I brought up the Bible, I was ridiculed or I was told it's not a valid argument. See, these are the kinds of things that we accept. And now we wonder, why is it that society in general doesn't have a problem with homosexuality, really? Doesn't have a problem with abortion, really? Doesn't have a problem with pornography or sex trafficking, really? Because as long as they have their entertainment, and as long as they have a lot of other things, right? Well. If you've been watching current events, the whole college admissions scandal isn't really new. It's been going on for a very long time. 
So serious-minded students have been caught in this avalanche of political correctness and giving preference to people who can put balls in baskets and other people who can, you know, recite the party line or whose parents had enough money to go ahead and um, buy their way into this prestigious school. Mm -hmm. Right. The emperor has no clothes. And you might say, oh, really? So you're just going to certify people as a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer? No, I'm not saying that. But at the point at which we have law firms and, and uh, businesses saying, no, I want this person, and then together help this person get the necessary credentialing if the particular enterprise required it. Mm -hmm. But in computer science, nobody really cares about your degree. They care if you can do the work. Right. That's right. That's right. And if you're going into business for yourself, you don't need the degree. No. Now, there may be things you want to learn, but if anything, in a homeschool environment, you should have created a lifelong student. Yeah. You're not just a student if you're in debt and you're paying thousands of dollars for somebody to tell you you pass their course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a lot of ways, what we've done is we've given the universities power because we bought into the idea that if they don't say my child or, or a person is qualified, they're not qualified. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my homeschooling approach was very, what they call relaxed. And um, if we, whatever we needed to do, like our budget was so, so small, whatever needed to be done, we just figured out how to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we had opportunity to explore and try out a lot of things um, not because we had money to pursue a lot of opportunity, but because it was necessary along the way to explore these, these and, and try and learn these different things. Right. So when I'm talking about lobbying, that's exactly what I mean. And I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. My youngest was once she kind of figured out and was willing to tell us what she thought she wanted to do was heading in the direction of nursing. And originally she thought that she might want to be a midwife. Right. Before being a midwife, she thought, well, okay, maybe I'll learn how to be a doula. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what that word means, it's somebody who assists a woman during labor and delivery to help achieve a good outcome. So the midwife is concerned about delivering the baby and mm -hmm. the doula is someone concerned about helping the mother and oftentimes the father is present so that things stay calm and focused, etc. So she wanted to do this and she got some training. Well, one day I went along and I found, I, I was at the athletic club that I attend and I saw two people that I had known years before and they were applying for membership. And when I looked at the woman, she had quite a big belly and she told me that she was about to have a baby by the end of January. And I said, oh, now she knew my daughter. She wants to be a doula. Could she be a doula at your, at your birth? Well, I don't know. Would you think about it? Well, that was the first doula experience my daughter had. She got to see twins be born. 
Mm-hmm. And, it, and then subsequent to that, there were other people we knew from church who were going to have babies. And I said, by the way, you should consider my daughter or whatever. And in order to be certified as a doula, she needed to have so many um, births under her belt. Some people right. she acquired on her own. Other people I helped. I lobbied. And as soon as I explained that they would be doing us a service as well as she doing them a service. Mm-hmm. Right. So I saw opportunities and it took a little bit of lobbying, as I say, but it ended up being something that put her in that position. Right. And now tell them what your daughter does. Because She's not a doula, but she's a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. And the whole experience helped solidify for her what areas she wanted to go in. Might sometime in the future she get additional training so she could be a midwife? She might, but you know what? She's already a nurse and that will make that easier. But she got to see children being born. She got Mm -hmm. to see easy deliveries, difficult deliveries. Mm -hmm. So this next level is if you're in tune with your children and you know the things they're interested in, then as the parent, you can help sort of become their college or not college even, but counselor to say, try this, try that, try the other thing. So you stay involved and hopefully they have learned that if you want something, you pursue it and it doesn't always happen immediately. Right. Right. That reminds me of a, um, a situation in, in our family. Um, uh, some, one of my children started homeschooling. Then we had a season where nobody homeschooled was being homeschooled. And then, um, and then later some of our children came back to homeschool. Well, in the process of that, we had, um, very much, um, our, our, some of the children had learned to think of school very much within the box. They wanted to know what was the question on Monday so they could be uh, practicing for the test on Friday. It took a long time. It really took a long time for her to to unlearn some of those things, even though that was not how mama did homeschool. That's what she thought school was going to be. So so this outside of the box is very, very important to understand. Sometimes the parents need to get out of the box. Sometimes the students need to get out of the box. But once you establish yourself as a lifelong learner with the mindset that you belong to God and that it's his plan and purposes for you and his call on your life and the skills that he's given you. In the meantime, my daughter has learned that when she was in high school, photography wasn't a um, class that she needed. So it wasn't something that that we even thought or considered pursuing. It was afterwards that she really began to explore and to use her her interest in photography. And so so now she does that. But but after, you know, in this context and understanding these things, I think that it's important that we recognize that it's not necessarily upon graduation that these things start to come into focus and we understand them appropriately and begin to implement them in our lives, whether it's with the children in the home or afterwards. And and now this she has a whole different approach to a homeschooling her own children 
than she did when she first came out of public school and was homeschooled herself. Exactly. And what I'm talking about, um, I'm looking at some of the comments about um, the founders and framers didn't have college degrees and um, what makes a good doctor isn't the, the letters after his name, things of that nature. But really and truly, this is the key to creating a truly Christian culture where yes. we, we give priority to those who bow the knee to Jesus Christ, that we don't feel compelled to include people um, who are, uh, are, are enemies of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, right, we're honoring God because we're saying that his people should get priority in our lives just the way he and his word should have priority in our lives. Right. Right. That's, that's something that a lot of people are afraid of. You know, they're afraid of that. They're afraid that um, they're going to be persecuted. They're afraid that they're going to be breaking some sort of law. Um, they're, uh, or discriminating against someone. But, you know, frankly, we have to make those decisions every day. Wh what people and things we give, we give preference to and what things we don't. So it's, it's, it's right and reasonable to consider and consult God's word when we are making those um, decisions. We can't just arbitrarily name the name of Christ and, and, and then misrepresent him or take his name in vain by not following through in these very practical matters when we can. Right. So I think it should be a matter of practice you may not be the most um, popular person as you go around lobbying for Christians to hire Christians, for Christians to give priority to people who have biblical law under their belt and are practiced at applying it and not be concerned, as you said, whether somebody thinks you're giving preference to someone. In our culture, even Facebook gives preference to people that agree with them. Why is preference something that's so foreign to many believers? Every right. time a, a believer is persecuted for his faith or her faith, it's because they were not given preference and some other worldview was. So it's really time that we start looking at the homeschooling culture to go beyond what happens until you're 18 years old and how we get the people in our fellowships and other believers involved in this enterprise of Christian education. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and that's not um, so many times the, the concept of Christian education is um, perceived as a um, escape, a, a place to escape, to, to protect our children. And that's not what we're here to do at all. We're here to, uh, prepare them to walk on God's call in their life and to um, to advance his kingdom. And so that's a really that's a really important thing to uh, to consider and to remember. Right. When you take that next step. They should be being trained to storm the gates of hell, not exactly. hide in a cubby hole hoping nobody doesn't um, notice them. Exactly. One of our businesses has permitted us to venture into a little bit of a, a different um, a different industry than we ever have before. And I have had quite a few very interesting conversations and 
and praise actually that um, in this industry, people are so happy to hear a biblical view and that it, you know, they tell me that it's like a breath of fresh air. So, so we have to remember that always the scripture is true and that for those who are being saved, we're the aroma of Christ. And so we don't need to be uh, bashful or afraid to, to think God's thoughts after him and speak God's words after him and know that those connections and relationships and opportunities that he gives us are divine appointments. And we have to, we have to remember to represent him well. Otherwise there's like, what, what are we here for? We're exactly. missing our, our responsibility. Right. So the goal of homeschooling should be preparing people, not for college, even right. not for a job, is to be faithful servants and children of Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. that as a result of that, they will be culture changers. And um, too many people lament the sorry state of law, the sorry state of higher education, the sorry state of medicine. So guess what? We don't have to participate with the God haters. We need to replace them. We don't. We don't. Yeah. Yep. You're right. There's some. Um, uh, we do a lot of work with uh, photographers. And one of the things that we get to say to, to the photographers, there are certain pictures that we're not going to um, we're not going to permit here. And. I was, I have been surprised how many photographers say, yay, good for you. I want to work here. Yeah. And in the process of being a business owner, you have not only the opportunity to put um, Christians to work and to train them, but by your example, take those who have this hunger and thirst that they can't even identify yet and let them know what that real void in their life is. And that's how we're salt and light in the culture. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we're concluding today. This is our final outside the box. Not that there aren't topics to continue or to consider in this, but we figured that we've covered most of the bases that we could put our heads together with. And, uh, as we have um, perspectives to share in the future, we'll be doing so with a new series. Um, and we hope that you will share what you've witnessed here and the other two series that are currently available at calcedon.edu, that uh, you'll share this with other people contemplating homeschooling or maybe feeling a little weary in terms of, I've done this for so long, what's the benefit? Um, we, we two gray haired ladies are able to say, been there, done that. Let's offer some help and guidance and be available to answer individual questions if you have them. Yes. You know, I want to be that gray haired um, lady that just takes these young moms that are, you know, struggling or the ones that are seasoned and trying to finish well, just to just to say, remember, you know, remember what it is you're supposed to be doing here. And for those who maybe have not been following along for all of our different um, different series that we've done, and, and we've done several, and, and this has been a good one, but um, I would recommend 
um, the book about, um, you're going to have to help me out, the book about the Christian curriculum, the philosophy of Christian curriculum. Let's talk about that for just a second if we have a, if we have a minute. We do. So we do. No. That's as far as I book. know, we won't be cut off. <laughs> you know, like you want to get outside the box, but this is really just really expands your your vision for God's purpose and, and um, heart for education. Right. So the philosophy of the Christian curriculum is a book that doesn't say buy this curriculum, don't do this, do this first, do this second. It's just that a philosophy of education. And for people who are new to the subject, it's really important to have a philosophical foundation before you start. And mm -hmm. RJ Rushduni really has three books that are pretty essential, I think, in terms of understanding what you don't want to do, the current state of affairs, and what you do want to do. So his the two books that I would say will tell you about the history of public education and the effect it has on students is his book, The Messianic Character of American Education. And notice the title, that American education intends to be and purports to be messianic. In other words, people will be saved through statist education, which of course is completely antithetical to the Bible. Exactly. The other book is called Intellectual Schizophrenia. And it discusses the idea of trying to have people in church learning one set of rules and ideology. And then they go to the state school where the ideology of the Bible is forbidden or ridiculed or altered so that you have people saying the Bible says this when the Bible doesn't say that at all. And, and you see that a lot today when you right. have people who are anti-God to the core telling Christians that the Bible says this. And for Christians who do not know the scripture, they'll say, oh, well, if the Bible says this. So those two books are foundational. But once you understand what you're up against and what has caused our society to, to um, devolve as it has over the past 50 years or so, the book, The Philosophy of the Christian Curriculum says, okay, what philosophy do I bring to education? What's the point? If it's not high test scores, if it's not so they can get into college, what am I doing and why? And what will God bless? And each individual subject is covered from history to music, to art, to mathematics. And there've been a number of people who've developed Rush Dooney's thesis. So, and we've had um, one or two of them on subsequent, you know, to um, what work he did and what they read. And you see that there's work being done in terms of mathematics and economics and, and things like that. So, um, this gets you on a firm footing so that when somebody tells you this is illegal, you can point to the fact, no, it is not. And here's why. And even if it's illegal in the state's eyes, it's lawful and righteous in God's eyes. And I just think that we've been pushed around so much because people don't say no, yeah. no, I, I disagree. Well, then we'll do this, that, and the other thing. I still disagree. Mm -hmm. Compromise has never been the foundation of a strong society. Right, right, right. Well, it tells us if we don't know him, know his word, that we'll be tossed around. So we can't be surprised that we get tossed around. Exactly. Um, two more things, two more books. Okay. Two, okay. Um, in terms of uh, finalizing this getting out of the box, 
um, you talked about some of the um, philosophical things that that um, that Chalcedon and Dr. Rushduni have to offer. But there's two more things that come to my mind. And that is the book that you guys carry is called um, about something about being a tutor. And then the other book is the um, reading curriculum. Okay. So Sam Blumenfeld, who was um, an educator who uh, understood and critiqued humanistic education, uh, ended up producing a lot of books and, and Kelsey carries all of them. So if you just put the name Sam Blumenfeld in and a search, you'll see the various books that have come up. But mostly what he did that most people are familiar with is he created a reading curriculum and then produced a book that tells parents specifically, or grandparents, if they're the ones you know raising the children, how to tutor. How do you teach reading, writing, and arithmetic? How do you get somebody from the point that they can't read, that they can read, and now the whole world opens up to them? So the reading curriculum is called Alpha Phonics, mm -hmm. and the other book is called How to Tutor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let me tell you where I'm now working and, and part of the hiatus that we're going to be taking has to do with me working and helping Christian schools, faithful Christian schools, because you see, it's always been about Christian education, not Christian schools are better than homeschools or homeschools are better than Christian schools. They're two right. different ways to achieve the same end. Right. I want to start a teacher apprenticeship program that will allow homeschooling grads maybe trying to figure out what it is they're going to do after they're no longer in their parents' home, giving them an opportunity to be mentored by seasoned teachers, to be able to uh, understand what the importance is of Christian education and being a Christian educator. And even if they don't eventually say, I'm going to be a teacher, there is not one profession or any activity that anybody carries on where teaching doesn't enter into it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm hoping that we can have a program in place and that we can have um, this will take planning and funding, quite frankly, to be able to afford to have young people come and maybe spend a semester or even a year and be able to uh, learn how the difference between one-on-one -on -one teaching and dealing in a classroom setting. The goals are the same, but the processes are different because it's a lot different dealing with people who aren't your own children as is present in homeschool and dealing with other, people, other people's children. But since we're talking about the body of Christ, it's a win-win all around as people become more proficient at this. So that's kind of where I'm going to be focusing my attention for the summer. Very good. Well, I know that we have lots of listeners and I do hope that they will uh, prayerfully consider the opportunity. And I hope that, um, you know, we do pray the Lord would open those doors and make it really clear for somebody to come and to be able to do that. So I'm glad for you to have that opportunity at the school. And we look forward to, um, a good report when we get Thank back together. All right. But we won't be going very far. You and I will always have things that we want to talk about. And so our listeners can just keep um, their eye open for the next series that we pursue in helping the biblical family honor God and seek his kingdom and his righteousness. 
Yes, ma'am. Amen. Until next time, Miss Andrea. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.